This is Ariane Goldman for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. I'm your host, Dun Roisin, and joining me on today's episode is Ariane Goldman, founder of Hatch. Hatch is a contemporary lifestyle brand dedicated to chic clothing for before, during and after pregnancy. While pregnant in 2010, Ariane noticed a void in the maternity clothing market and it was in that moment the concept of Hatch was born. In this episode, we cover what learnings Ariane was able to take from her first venture into the second, how she got it off the ground, and the moment that everything changed when Meghan Markle propelled the brand into the global spotlight after wearing a Hatch dress. And while I've got you here, if you have a small brand, I'd love to hear from you about what's working for you in business right now. Check out the show notes where you'll find my direct email. I would love to hear from you. This is Ariane for Female Startup Club. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ariane, hi, and welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to jump in and learn all about you and your business. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling us what your business actually is? Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Ariane Goldman. I'm the founder and CEO of Hatch Collection, which is a brand I created to really enable women to feel better about themselves during pregnancy. So we provide clothing and beauty solutions for pregnancy and beyond. Um, And now with content, we're also trying to make ourselves a, a real home base and a hub for women looking for support and companionship during pregnancy. Amazing. I always love to get started by going back to your life before you started Hatch. And I know that you'd already built a successful business at that time, Two Birds, but I was wanting to know what was driving you to launch a second one and take the leap again. Yeah, well, it started where I was working in corporate America for the first nine years of my career, kind of climbing up this ladder and enjoying it and learning a lot about culture and organization and management, but wasn't necessarily fulfilling my creative dreams. And so it's at that point that I started my first brand as a side hustle called Two Birds, which is a bridesmaids dress company, um, and started to do that on the side until the momentum picked up enough where I could quit my day job and actually focus on it completely. And that was um, a unique business model where I was creating dresses. Um, They were by appointment only appointments and I could um, fulfill orders and, and kind of get cash up front and then deliver the goods. So it was very low risk from a cash outlay and an inventory perspective. And it allowed me to generate enough money where I was profitable um, day after day, which was fantastic. So when I became pregnant with my first daughter, Charlie, I noticed that there was a void in the market for um, solutions and pieces for women to feel good about themselves and get dressed in the morning and feel like we're not ostracized from society. And so um, I took some of the profits from my first business and said, let's do this again. Um, Let's, you know, pregnancy and maternity from a fashion standpoint might not be considered sexy, but the notion that there wasn't anything out there, you know, to offer women like myself was very sexy. So that void in the market is what I was actually really inspired by. That why aren't people talking to me when I'm willing to spend money for something? That to me is kind of the, the, the moment that we all look for, you know, of what's not out there. And I said, well, let me create it. And so um, I lent myself money from Two Birds and began to kind of really think through Hatch and, and how I wanted to start the brand and offer what would my first 12 pieces be. And so I started with 12 key pace, uh, basics that I thought most women would appreciate and need during their pregnancy that would allow them to feel good about themselves. And that's kind of how I kicked off the brand. Very cool. Very cool. I'm wondering, you said with your first business, Two Birds, that you were getting people to buy upfront and then you would make it after. Did you take that same learning and that same model and bring it into the second business? And did you also, you know, combine the two businesses into one? And I mean that more in terms of like, did you double up with your manufacturer and be like, okay, well, we already have this sorted out. We'll, we'll use this. And, you know, my marketing team might also be able to add this into their workload. Or did you create two separate teams? 
That's two questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a great question because for, for people starting out or building businesses, it's these early moments that are quite critical. And so with the first business, it was very homegrown. I knocked on the doors of the factories here I'm in the Garment Center in New York City. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs, so I always knew that it started with a question and everything can be answered. And it's just a matter of just asking that question. And so knowing that there was a garment district here, what did that mean? It meant that there were factories. So I literally walked up and down 39th Street and and um, like kind of cold called and went into these factories and said, I have an idea, I have a dress, can someone help me make it? And I found my first um, factory, her name was Sherry. And um, we sat down and I went next door to Spandex Warehouse and I got some fabric and it was literally that piecemeal of putting these dresses together. And so that business model was amazing because in the bridal world, um, all you need are samples and then you kind of sell it into a bride. And, um, you know, you're selling about five dresses, depending on how many bridesmaids she has in her bridal party to the person that you're marketing to. So you're getting a good return on that marketing because I'm talking to the bride and, and I'm selling her five dresses. And there's no returns because once the wedding is over, they can't return the dresses. So it's, it's a beautiful business model. And I got so confident in it that that's when I started Hatch, I thought, well, what can I lend to this new business that I've learned from Two Birds? And little did I know how bigger of a beast and what a different business model Hatch was going to become. But of course, at the beginning, you share all resources. I was doubling up as head of customer service, head of marketing. I was, you know, I was literally, I had three different names for three different positions in the company where I was just playing different people so that I could seem much larger than we were. And that's the beauty of growing something because you don't have enough money to hire and start a whole company on your own. You have, you know, at least in my experience, you have to start small and it's through desperation that you, you have to crack until you hire the next person. And you just keep doing that until you have this team, but you don't hire this team outright just because I didn't, I didn't raise any money um, to start the business like that. So I was piecemealing it day by day and just building this thing brick by brick. Wow. So exciting. I love that. And so, you know, I want to go way back to the beginning, you know, 2010, I think you had the idea, 2011, you were launching the brand. When you were telling your friends and your network, was it kind of easily validated through them? What was the reaction of the people around you? Again, the good news of going into a category that's not that sexy is that people understand and relate to the fact that nobody's done it right yet right? So maternity, even men know that it's just crap offering out there or it has been over the years. And so, you know, I'm not humbled by the topic at hand. I'm inspired by the opportunity there. And so to go back to what I said earlier, I thought it was incredibly inspiring and sexy to take something that people didn't think was interesting and make it better. And so the maternity category has just always been something that people have, you know, left out of the conversation because at the time, um, media and press, haven't celebrated a growing woman's body. And fortunately, that's changed over the years, especially with social media. But at the time, you know, Vogue and a lot of the fashion publications, as a woman's body was growing, they wouldn't talk about you for those 10 months until your body bounced back. And I just thought, well, this doesn't make sense. My body's about to go through the most amazing exploration. I'm still going out. I'm feeling sexy and great. I want to buy a new dress that's going to celebrate that. Why can't I find it? And that's really, um, and, and most people understood that, um, that, that there was a void as well. So my friends, my supporters, just people out there understood that there was a void. I think the real challenge was, well, okay, why is a girl like me going to go out and like kind of fix the issue? Um, or how am I going to do that? And, um, you know, I think 10 years later, I can tell you it's been through grit and hustle and pain and celebration, um, to kind of 
have people jump on ship saying that it's okay to celebrate, you know, a moment in time that's fleeting, that's really special and uh, invest in yourself. Mm. And as you're talking, something that just came to my mind, which maybe wasn't intentional and, and maybe, you know, came to light afterwards is that you're essentially targeting women at that next stage after they get married. So you have the customer from two birds who you've been speaking to up into, into the lead up of her wedding. And then you've moved along into that next big milestone of her life, which is so cool. Is that something that you were able to, you know, build into the marketing? I don't know what the terminology would be like the flow of your business. Yeah. I mean, in theory, first and foremost, when I've been creating these brands, it's, I've been speaking to consumers going through lifelike situations that I've been going through. I think when you have an idea or you're starting something, being that consumer and putting your, yourself in those shoes that the person you want to serve is incredibly helpful to understand the needs and how to market to them. So going through these life experiences and feeling these voids myself made me that much more passionate for understanding what the problem has been. And so it's allowed me to kind of go through the life cycle and say, oh, this is needed here and this is needed here. And yes, using the two birds kind of, um, you know, bridal list, or my customers and my database, and then kind of following them through their life journey into parenthood was definitely an advantage. These days, it's very different. Hatch has become much more, you know, at the time when I launched Hatch, paid acquisition wasn't as big as it is today. So Warby Parker and a bunch of these, you know, fundamental D2C brands were just emerging the same time that Hatch was. But um, they, you know, a lot of brands at the time, you have to... I was marketing more on a grassroots level because I didn't have the money to put into Facebook and Google to kind of digitally acquire these customers, which can be very expensive. So from my perspective, building a brand was about creating really good product and getting it in the hands of women who um, could only pay it forward and share, you know, and really share that. So so my marketing strategy when I launched was um, a gifting strategy and a PR strategy to get it into celebrities' hands and to really kind of go out in the community and do trunk shows across the country to get this product and let people know that there was a brand that was evolving. We did not have a lot of money to, you know, to spend. And at the time, again, digital ad strategies weren't as, as big of a driving force as they are today. Over the years, that's changed. Yeah, of course. I, I read that you've had some really amazing celebrities who have supported the brand <laughs> along the lines of Meghan Markle, Khloe Kardashian, Miranda Kerr. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here because I want to stay on the that early time of marketing. But but just to skip forward for a second, how did you get, you know, on the radar of these women who are obviously just so incredible to have, have worn the brand? I mean, again, there's not that many people who've gone against the curve to kind of solve the the issue of how are you going to look great during pregnancy. And so stylists um, have really come to the brand to solicit products for their clients and really just said, you know, give us Miranda Kerr's going on, you know, Jay Leno or, you know, doing a publicity stint. What can you do? What can you give us to dress her? And so having relationships like that or, or working with PR, um, the old fashioned way has been incredibly important. And they've come to us in the case of Meghan Markle, which was such a huge, gigantic moment for the brand. You know, you can't gift the royal family. So that was pure luck. And that was a big aha moment that um, Hatch has actually made it somehow because um, I woke up on like every other morning um, to all my friends in Europe kind of texting me saying, oh my God, Megan's in Hatch, but I had no idea that it was coming. So that was a huge, huge surprise. So her stylist must have pulled the dress for her, but un unknown to us. Oh my God. 
That is so cool. Wow. What a major moment um, for you and the brand overall. That's so cool. It was amazing. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. As a person- Person with a very deep voice. I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I want to get back in and dig a little deeper into those early times of, you know, launching the brand and starting to get the word out there and spread that word of mouth um, moment. I read that in the first four months of your your brand, you were having a bit of a tricky time and you weren't sure about like whether the brand was going to take off. And then there was sort of a turning point for you. What was that turning point and what were the kinds of, you know, day-to-day activities that you were doing to get that message out there? So um, as I mentioned earlier, I lent myself money from the first business to fund the beginning of Hatch. And and Hatch really, what you need to start the business was a website, which could be probably 
you know, on a bare bones, thirty to $50,000 to do it the right way, I think. I mean, that was then. So I, today it might be easier because there are solutions in a box, but we needed the website. I needed samples. You need to launch with um, inventory just because it is direct to consumer. There's no wait time for the customer. So you need to have that. Um, and then materials. So the first thing, you know, things like business cards and asset creation, all these things cost money. So um, I had spoken to my husband, Max, and we had made the decision that I really believed in this void in the market and that we were going to um, take some of the money from Two Birds and put it into Hatch and start this endeavor. And we built this beautiful website. We, we, I, I launched it um, and nobody came at the- <laughs> I, I launched this beautiful thing and, you know, you believe that once it's out there, everybody's going to come and nobody came for the first few months. And I was petrified. And I just remember um, my husband and I were in India and I said to him, you know, Max, I think I made a tremendous mistake. Um, we built, you know, I built this beautiful thing, but nobody's come to it. Maybe I was wrong and people don't need this. And um, literally the next day during our travels, I got an inbound email from the New York Times style writer saying that she heard that I had been coming that I was that I came out with Hatch and she's she had seen the website and she wanted to write something about it for the New York Times. And you know the New York Times isn't necessarily a revenue builder but it's definitely a credibility builder and so the article came out a few weeks later and it just started to kind of be the catalyst the marketplace just started to shift and people started coming and I started to gain traction and more press and I was just it just moved the needle a little bit at a time where I thought I was going to quit. And I'm so grateful that I had the patience um, and the luck that, you know, she happened to kind of connect at that time. But, you know, the lesson I learned there was to have patience and to do everything, you know, to do something every day that drives awareness because you never know where that opportunity is. And you've got to keep pushing, pushing, pushing because I don't even know how the New York Times writer found out about Hatch. But I got to imagine that it's some part of the hustle and the day-to-day that got her there that led to the first article, that led to the first stylist coming. It all is a domino effect. And you might not ever be able to trace back the steps, but but you got to keep going and make sure that you're doing something every day that's driving this brand. Totally. Speak to anyone who will listen, shout about it from the rooftops, put one foot in front of the other. I, I totally agree. So obviously that's, you know, 10 years ago now, Things have grown significantly. You've you've got a lot to cover in in ten years. There, what do you think was the kind of tipping point in the brand, and what's been working for you in terms of driving new acquisition? So, I think the tipping point was um, a lot of it was partnerships. I needed to leverage other brands who had following over the years to really um, introduce Hatch to people that I couldn't get to because I wasn't paying to acquire customers um, digitally. So um, I was doing trunk shows in Atlanta and Philadelphia and California and partnering with local, um, you know, the like-minded store in these markets or the influencer or the mom blogger in these areas that could connect me and introduce me to their world and allowed that, you know, they were paying it forward by introducing me to their networks. And I really believe in the grassroots of like start, you know, from ground up, getting your brand out there. And I was traveling all the time with a young baby, um, just telling people about Hatch and kind of building this kind of cult following on the ground. Um, And then over the years, as the revenue was coming in, um, I didn't raise money until year six. So I bootstrapped the brand for the first six years. And then we raised $5 million to really step on the gas. 
over the years, we started to put more and more money into a paid acquisition strategy while I was still doing kind of the bottom groundwork of uh, going on trunk show and kind of meeting with people and, and doing partnerships. And so my marketing strategy has been to build a brand purely from the ground up on what people need and what they're looking for and getting it on people in different markets and going to these markets and meeting these customers and then the paid acquisition on the top. So that strategy, so that fundamentally you're acquiring people via the internet in crevices of the world that I could never reach. I'm meeting people on the ground and getting to know them, telling them more about the brand, letting them touch and feel the product. And then hopefully everything meets in the middle and boom, you have this kind of moment where the brand becomes bigger, you know, than, you know, it just gets on track to kind of really being a brand that's that's not about an individual hustle. Um, it just becomes a household name. So we're still doing that. We're certainly not there yet, but um, I'm so proud of the fact that it's the groundwork and now paying for acquisition on the top um, that's really allowing this brand to kind of have a much bigger presence than I ever imagined. Mm, totally. And I imagine that on the ground presence and those trunk shows and speaking to people face to face is what then drives demand for, you know, people to be like, can you open a store here? Or like, we need to have this store in this pop-up or in this, uh, we need to have a section of the brand in the store or, or partnering with this pop-up. Yeah. I mean, by the way, they're individual focus groups. When you're meeting with customers, you you have to use them as kind of education of how is this product? What more do you want? And I mean, it's it's the most quintessential education you can get on your product by kind of pulling the audience and working directly with them because that influences new product development. It influences where you should be if you're ever going to go into a retail strategy. Um, you can ask people how they heard of you because that can then kind of guide you into where you're spending your dollars into, you know, whether it's going to be podcast or if it's going to be Facebook or if it's on Instagram to really understand how they're getting to know about you because it's just filled with surprises. What you think you know is often not really what reality is. So asking people questions is, is always key. I think that's been, you know, the guiding light here is just never being afraid to ask questions and ask for help as well. Yeah, that's such a great tip. And that's so interesting because of course you you might not have any idea where that person has heard about you and you can double down on those efforts. Totally. Wow. Great. So where is the business today and what does the future look like? Oh, so the business today, oh, let's see. Um, well, coming through the pandemic, it's been definitely, um, it's been a tough year. Um, I'd say more from a leadership standpoint of just having to manage my people and making sure that 45 of my employees are feeling safe and supported. Um, a lot of my team has moved to different cities and we're still managing to um, grow the business despite the, you know, the pandemic. Um, and I've been so surprised at the efficiency of um, managing a virtual organization. I never in my right mind thought that if you were to disconnect us physically, that we would be able to produce this much and be so united, but we are. Um, so my priority during the pandemic was to make sure to take care of the team first because you can't really grow a business or have positive results if your team feels disconnected. So very quickly, I prioritized that and made sure that that was first and foremost how we were looking you know, at what we were going to do and how we were going to spend our resources. Um, and then second was to, um, you know, to cut back on expenses because you have to like, actually save cash during this time and make sure that we were running a very lean business and make some tough decisions there of certain areas that we were going to cut and focus on the more profitable ones. 
Um, so where we are today is a really strong, lean place geared up for 2021. I do believe that um, the economy is going to turn around soon. And, you know, that behavior is going to turn around and people are going to come back out and um, life is going to resume. And I want Hatch to be ready and and right there for people when they are. A community has been a big part of Hatch for the last few years. Our stores have fostered amazing conversations with prenatal experts and um uh, lactation consultants and miscarriage conversations, just a real foundation for women to share what they're going through and have a safe space. Unfortunately, since um, we've had to close those stores and we can't have these group meetings, we've um, we've had to kind of stop those community in-person events, but we've pushed everything online um, and created a content space called Babe by Hatch um, to allow these conversations to continue. So um, we've been doing a great job in maintaining our community and our sales and really, really shaped up the foundation and the operations of the business to be in a lean place so that we can really step function and grow in the next couple of years. We were about to open our third store at the beginning of March last year, right before all of this happened. So we've pushed that out and we're looking to open it this coming September of 21. So we're ready to resume position and be there. Our online sales are up 40% year over year. So I'm super proud of that. And um, we have a lot of really exciting partnerships and collaborations in play for 2021 that have had have been the silver lining of some of this, just knowing that that was coming down the pike and we're about to launch in the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm very excited about that as well. People are still getting pregnant. And so the demand is still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> It's either you're getting divorced or you're pregnant or, or getting pregnant. And we're happy to see. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people are getting pregnant during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I've had a few friends. <laughs> so the demand is there, which is fantastic. So we're still needed. And um, it's just a matter of continuing to get, you know, get to people wherever they are and however we can reach them um, and make sure that we're kind of front of mind there. For sure. Gosh, how exciting. Yeah, it's cool. What advice do you have for women who have a big idea and want to launch their own business? That's a great question. So the first thing I would, well, what I know, what I can speak to is making sure that your idea is unique and that you're not launching something in a saturated market without a distinct point of view. So I would, I would just ask yourself the questions like, what am I, why am I launching this idea or this product? And how will, will it stand out from competition? Because that's what anyone that you go in front of is going to be asking you is why you, why this, whether it's a product or a service, um, tell me how it's different. And that's really important because there's so many great things out there. And with the internet, it's really at the touch of our fingertips. So you it, it's harder than ever to be distinct and unique. Um, but if you believe in something so much, there's a reason why. And so I just recommend really crystallizing that thesis and making sure that it's clear and you have an elevator pitch in one or two sentences that nails it so that you don't have to kind of stutter around like why you're doing something. And it's hard, but I would just work on narrowing down what those two or three sentences are and believing in them so wholeheartedly that it gets you to the next step of actually like moving forward and doing it. Amazing. Thank you. Great advice. Uh, we are up to the six quick questions part of the episode. Some of them we may have already covered, you know, briefly here or there, but I ask every woman on the show the same six quick questions at the end. So question number one is what's your why? Why do you do what you do? I'm obsessed with inspiration um, and creating something out of nothing because this world is just so random. And it's just, <laughs> I just feel like um, 
creating something that people need is really beautiful and amazing. And it keeps me inspired every day when I wake up and I love to make stuff and I love to connect with people and Hatch and this company has allowed me to do that. And outside of my children and my, the love for my family and my friends, it is, it's my Play-Doh. It's everything I get to work with um, every day. It's, it's everything to me. That's so cool that it's like your Play-Doh. I love that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Question number two, and we might know the answer to this one, but what's been the number one marketing moment that made your business pop? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was the Meghan Markle. We were we had hit a stride prior to Meghan Markle, but that was an, a beautiful uh, just seal of approval <laughs> from the world that Hatch is a real brand that you know people um, outside of our my network here um, are familiar with and are using. So that was that was really the big the biggest marketing moment so far. Are you able to share a little bit about what the impact was after that photo kind of started circulating around the internet? Yeah. For sure. I mean, it, you could not possibly pay for the press that happened once it hit like Daily Mail, just the global press of picking up that story, <clears throat> excuse me, and recirculating it was something that you just literally cannot pay for. So, you know, very quickly we sold out of the dress, you know, two or three times over the next six weeks. Um, we tried to replenish it as fast as possible. Um, it's just incredible, like what something like that can do. And then, you know, you do normalize, you know, you go back a little bit. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't change. You're not always on that level of um, traffic. So it does normalize, but forever you have that kind of seal of approval and you can leverage that in many different ways. And um, you can always kind of accredit the, the maternity brand that Meghan Markle wore, you know, can always be a lead in sentence to the next one, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Holy moly. <laughs> Question number four. Question number four. Question number three, rather, is where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading, listening to, subscribing to? Well, great question. Um, where am I reading to get smarter? I, um, right now, I am, you know, I'm listening to podcasts in the morning when I wake up. My, my attention has shifted a little bit into what's happening in the world and with like psychology and human behavior versus business. Because I feel like it's really going to be important to understand consumer sentiment when things rebound a little bit. So um, I used to, how you know, I used to be obsessed with how I built this and listening to other you know amazing founders and their stories. But we're in such an unknown moment right now that I'm not sure anybody has wisdom to share. So it's more about um, taking all I've learned so far and um, applying it to to how people are feeling. And so I'm doing a lot of just kind of human to human. Um, I'm just very curious right now and just watching and listening about culture and, and how people are thinking so that I can kind of guide Hatch into being, re, you know, a, a positive force there and, and reactor. Is there any particular podcast when it comes to human behavior and the psychology side of things that you're listening to that you recommend? I'm obsessed with the daily from the New York Times. I think it's just, it's an incredible quick half hour um, showing both sides of the coin. So I think it's, it's fair and it's fascinating to me because I'm always surprised with some of the, the interviews that they're doing of people that think so differently from what I would think most people feel. Um, and it's completely eye-opening. I love the daily. All right. Question number four. We're actually there now. <laughs> How do you win the day? And that's around your AM and PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and motivated and successful. 
Oh, well, some days I don't win. I need to say that. <laughs> but when um, the days where I do win, I'd say in the mornings, if I can have a peaceful, um, beautiful morning with my girls before they go to school and they're not cranky and we're happy and we can have that special time together. Um, followed by, I just do a quick 15 to 20. Now that we're kind of bound to the house because it's winter, um, if I can do 15 or 20 minutes of Pilates or yoga, um, I'm really trying to reconnect with my spirit and just kind of keep that space that the quarantine has kind of provided me, which has been really um, awakening. Um, and then not going to lie in the evening, it's usually a martini. <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> Question number five is if you only had a thousand dollars left in your business bank account, where would you spend it? And that's kind of around thinking about, you know, where's the most important use of that dollar kind of thing. Hmm. A thousand dollars. Um, I would probably spend it on marketing because you just kind of have to, if a thousand dollars can get me $3,000 in revenue, then it would keep me afloat. So I'd probably invest it back in the business um, from that front. Obviously you have inventory and operations and all those things that you have to spend money on to keep the lights on. Um, but if I could take half of that and try and acquire new customers, um, I would probably instinctively go there. Amazing. And question number six, last question is how do you deal with failure? Failure, um, I'm 10 years into this. So um, there's something about failure that I have learned to appreciate. Um, many of my mistakes have turned into golden wisdom that have um, led me out of, you know, making future mistakes. And so it, it's painful and it hurts. Um, and, you know, you can question yourself about why, you know, you made a decision. Um, but you've got to look on the bright side of what you've learned from that failure and how it's going to shape what you don't know now is how it's going to shape the future. And I always find that um, failure yields success somehow if you keep going. So I've turned it, I've turned lemons into lemonade, you know, many times. And that's how I feel about failure. I love that. Shapes the future. It does indeed. Ariane, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today and share your incredible journey. I've loved listening in and I'm going to be cheering you on from the sidelines. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. 
Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. 